just being right doesn't work, as Morton says. You have to have the skills and know the tactics and strategies yep. to allow your philosophy to thrive. It's not just having that philosophy, but so we're providing the, you know, the the, tech, the political technology, if you will, on how to move across the line, how to get certain things done. Hello, Joyful Warriors. This is Tiffany Justice with Moms for Liberty, and welcome to the Joyful Warrior podcast. Um, you know I love to bring on fellow Joyful Warriors, other women and men around the country that are fighting like heck in their communities, fighting for the survival of America and working to help kids, and today is no exception. Uh, on today's podcast, we are joined by Bridget Ziegler. Bridget is the Vice President of School Board Leaders Program at the Leadership Institute. She's also a personal friend of mine, of Tina's, was one of the founding members of Moms for Liberty uh, until she was still serving on office, which made it a little difficult to, to you know, uh, be a leader within Moms for Liberty at the time. I'm sure all of you will, will talk a little bit about that today. But Bridget, welcome to Moms for Liberty's podcast, the Joyful Warrior podcast, something that you helped to inspire. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. You know, I was thinking about we do it in different interviews, and this morning I'm like, I'm really excited about today. So thanks for having me. Of course. So your journey to school board was a little different than mine and Tina's. We ran for office, but that was in 2016. You actually joined school board in Sarasota quite a bit earlier than us. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what your journey was like uh, onto the school board? Yeah. So I actually, uh, so I am a mom of three. I have three daughters. My oldest it just turned ten. Uh, Reagan. And in 2014, uh, she was eight months old. My husband is involved in politics. I uh, worked in the uh, commercial insurance and risk consulting space uh, and did lots of volunteer work through child advocacy issues all through high school and throughout. So something I'm very passionate about. Um, however, never, ever, 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 ever conceived that I would ever run for office. But uh, I'll never forget my husband walked in the door. I was on the floor. I visibly remember. Um, I was on the floor with Reagan playing with her. And he said, you should run for school board. We have a five-member board. There was an um, unexpected vacancy. And I was like, you're bananas. And, <laughs> and he said, no. And uh, he said, you know, uh, government takes a long time to work, which is an understatement of the, <laughs> of the century. Uh, Education is key as we raise a family. And all of those things are true. Um, I, uh, I, I kind of, there's something in my belly as soon as he, like kind of uh, after the initial shock that I was like, thought about it, right? I didn't completely dismiss it. My parents live in Sarasota, Florida, uh, and they're very dear mentors uh, of mine. I remember reaching out to my dad specifically saying, you're going to open yourself up to a lot of scrutiny. And I'm like, nah, nah, it'll be fine. Um, and so I probably made this decision within about 24 to 48 hours. And I always shared that piece because um, now what I do in talking to people, and I know you can share this, is that there are a lot of people who are very passionate and now see what's happening, but are trepidatious. And so human nature is to be risk adverse. Well, ignorance was bliss in my situation. Uh, and so really, I stepped off that ledge. I, on paper, was not at all what you would think uh, a school board member would be. Um, I was a young mom. I was 31. Uh, again, my daughter was eight months old. I worked in the private sector. I did uh, run, I filed to run for election. And then I also filed for the appointment. Governor Rick Scott did appoint me, which added in a whole nother level to the polarization of my election. And also because I said I was for school choice, you know, I, I, I just fundamentally believed that if you looked at our board, we had, um, you know, it was majority, all of them were either grandparents um, or just of an older generation. 
um, which grandparents serve in a very important role, but a, a diverse board with different perspectives is important. And there was just really no one there that had a young, that was as a young parent. And I really, my goal from day one and still today is to ensure parents have a seat at the table. I know that's something we talk about all the time. Um, and that's what I ran on. But, you know, in, in, in public education, saying your first school choice and parental empowerment, unions said game on. And so I learned a tremendous amount in that election um, in 2014. I learned a lot about myself. Uh, I learned about, about other people. You face a lot of insecurities. But every person I talk to, I say, you will surprise yourself. And I, I would say I surprised myself. And all the reasons I thought that I couldn't do it, I was very willing, very capable of overcoming them because when you have that passion in your belly and it's really fighting for your children and their generation, um, you know, the sky's the limit. So it's been an amazing journey. So remind us what year that was. 2014. And I am still on the board. Okay. And I'm still on the board today. I am the chairman of our school board. Uh, this is my third and final term. Yes, there are term limits in Florida, although I would be grandfathered in, but I am self-imposed. I'm done. I, I really didn't expect to go for the third term at all, except the tide was changing so significantly. And we did really have an opportunity to flip the board. We did flip the board. We have now a 4-1 after years of a 3-2 liberal majority in a conservative county. So. Wonderful. And so what has it been like to be on school board? You join at, at 31 years of age, right? 32. You've got a, a young baby at home. You've since had two kids, right? And you serve in your local community. I agree with you. I have said before, Tina and I both say we loved being on school board. It was not without its challenges. It was really hard. Um, but we learned so much about our community. We learned so much about ourselves. Uh, it's a very challenging position. Um, so what, what was one of the, like the biggest surprises and then what strengths did you have that you were like, wow, you know, I'm bringing this from the private sector. This is my own personal strength, but I see it as something that really helps this board to move forward. Yeah. So a couple of things I will say still to this day, uh, you know, we certainly talk a lot about the opportunities and challenges that school districts face public education in particular. Um, but the people inside that work for our schools are so many of them are just so amazing and so committed. And I, every time you visit a school, I, I particularly elementary, and I, my kids are still in elementary. It's hard that your your cheeks hurt. Like you're just, it's really there's a lot of really amazing magical things happening uh, a lot of the time. And I I, I always really enjoyed talking to our teachers um, because they really the vast majority of, of them are, are very truly dedicated to their 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 goal and and what. It's a calling, right? They don't go in it for the money. So I really always, I've always enjoyed that. Um, as a board member, though, you know, as a in my world of private, you know, corporate risk, commercial risk, insurance, and and consulting, you worked with a lot of boards, and I was surprised about the decorum or <laughs> the the behavior of my my colleagues um, uh, when I first got on the board. It was very much like you do not. I mean, not this is not to be a victim. Actually, I'm glad they were because. It elevated my ability to rise to the occasion, but there was a lot of like mean girls going on. Like you have no right to be here. This they, they were very sophomoric behavior, uh, and it was frustrating because we have really important things to do, a lot of very important decisions to make that come before any school board, and so much time was wasted on just very childish uh, antics. Um, we, we talk about politics in schools, uh, and you know that's a the word politics doesn't always mean partisan politics. It means just the dynamics of the, you know, the human politics of it all. And that was very alive and well. And I think the most um, eye-opening thing to me and was a, a uh, was a Florida School Board Association conference that I went to very shortly after the November election in 2014, because I went to a runoff. 
Um, and it was very, and, and my, it made so much more sense because I saw how my board was acting, but it wasn't until I went to that conference that I got to understand why that was the mentality. And it was very much, we only have five, you only have unanimous votes. Your job is to support the superintendent, support public schools, and really be a cheerleader. And, and so I, and, and while you can do that, your job is really actually accountability for taxpayers, for families, for students. Uh, and I didn't hear any of that. And, and to me, that was a very, uh, that was one of the most important conferences I've ever attended because it truly did completely alter my entire trajectory as a board member. Um, I fought very hard for transparency. If I had a dollar for every time, I'd say, why do we do it this way? Well, we've always done it that way. And I'm sure you could share that exact same experience. But little things like um, uh, back then, way back then, we didn't have any of our board meetings um, on demand and archived so people could access, only could access them on the cable channel, which nobody was watching unless you were a visitor at a hotel, basically. All right, so I fought to have our meetings live streamed and archived on demand. Uh, even our workshops, they would say, this ends the televised portion of the workshop. They would turn off the TVs, we would get up, we would go to a different building on the third floor, small little conference room, and that is really where all the conversation happened. And I'll never forget, I would tell people, I'm like, that's where you guys have to go. So uh, just to give, uh, I said, government takes a long time to work. It took me three years, literally, to get uh, the board meetings and workshops to all remain in the chambers and to all be live streamed and uh, archived on demand. So those little nuances um, were met with incredible resistance, but it, it's those kind of outside thinking, which isn't that like, you know, it's not, it's not something uh, that is so hard to consider, but it's just that old adage of change is very hard. Change is very hard. In particular, it's hard in an institution like a public education institution. 100%. And so let's talk about change and being a disruptor. Um, <laughs> I have been a disruptor probably for most of my life, um, asking that question all the time. Like, why? well, why do we do it this way? Why are we doing it this way? There seems like there's maybe a different way or a better way to do it. Or so-and-so said we could try to do it this way. And that sounds like an interesting idea, right? And so you're a disruptor too. Um, I've seen that. Tina is a disruptor. Erica Donalds, who was on the podcast, podcast a couple weeks ago. She's a disruptor as well um, and, and got on the school board saying, you know, she was kind of an unlikely person to be on school board maybe, but she was a mom. She saw so many people on school board that, you know, were, didn't have kids in school, um, didn't really have a good pulse on, on education. And what I've shared before, you've heard me say, is you can't, when you're on school board, you can't just get your information uh, at the grocery store or at the, you know, at church where you're a complaint department. You have to be in there watching the teacher trainings, working on the budget, working working with staff, understanding how your school district is working, understanding how those policies are being you know, created and made into procedure, and, and then seeing if that procedure is li really living up to what the policy uh, is that you intended to have. I want to take a step back for a second, though, Bridget, and talk about um, your husband, Christian, uh, who um, is the chair of the Republican Party in Florida. When I met him, he was not the chair of the Republican Party of Florida, but he was involved in Republican politics Something that you and I've talked about a lot, and Tina and Erica and Marie, we've we've discussed these women who are now leading in this area of parental rights and, and, and school board reform. When I ran, I had the Republicans against me in my county. Um, I went to the REC. I tried to get involved. I had it. I had been NPA, Bridget. I didn't have any party affiliation for most of my life. And in 2016, I had registered as a Republican. I wanted to be able to vote in that primary. I was running for office at the time. Uh, in Florida, folks, for if you're listening, you 
um, have to be registered in the party to, in order to be able to vote in the primary. So that's important to know. Um, so I registered as a Republican, but did not receive a warm reception from the Republican Executive Committee. Um, the Democrats didn't like me either uh, because I wouldn't. Um, I, I was actually not willing to go to their forums unless they invited the chosen Republican candidate. I said I wanted to have an honest conversation. There wasn't anyone else running for the seat in my county, um, and and yet I still won with sixty percent of the vote in my county, countywide election. Right, so it just showed me that the Republican Party sometimes is not reflective of the people and the values that the people hold in the community. And I just want to talk about that for a second, because I think with Moms for Liberty in general, and I mean, Christian and I have discussed this, in the RSC, it's always felt like there was some, like you had to ask for permission. Like there was yep. some track, like Susie was going to run and then Susie's husband was going to run and then Susie's brother's cousin's father was going to run. Right. Like get in line, Tiffany, because it's not your time yet, right? And I think we've all kind of bucked that. So can we just talk for a second? Because this idea that somehow Moms for Liberty is GOP or a Republican puppet, you know, it's so far from the truth. You meet our moms all over the country. You know, most of them have been really politically homeless for most of their lives not or not involved in, in politics at all. So let's just chat a little bit about you know, what, what, it, what it means to be a disruptor right now in America when it comes to politics. Well, I think it's a great, I, I love everything about that because one, I think just you find those established organizations and, and certainly the party is, is one of them where you have the good old boy, for lack of a better term, network, right? And they, and even myself, even my husband being involved at the local party and at the state level, even when I was 31, I mean, to run for school board, there are people like, no way. And, and you know, they, they, it's a horse race, ultimately. Do they want to get behind that horse or not? Are they going to get behind a winner or not? And I was bringing a lot of various different things to the table. A handful of people saw why, why that was good. And a lot of others thought that was a little, they were very risk adverse, right? Um, and I think that's part of it. I also think uh, in my mind in the leadership, and I say this all the time, leaders don't wait. Uh, they don't get in line. They they lead. And that's just the, the natural tra trajectory of it. It's It's they don't even go out there with the intention to lead. It is just their pure nature to do so. Um, and those are the ones that I think bring people along with them. Uh, and so they buck the system to your point. Um, you know, what I think is so amazing about, so myself, I certainly, I mean, my husband, like I said, I, I share this very candidly. He is unabashedly a party guy. That is his, I'm a policy person. He is, he really loves the politics of it all. And he really loves, uh, he's always been, I mean, one of our first dates, no kidding, was a, a, an REC meeting. And for those watching, that's a Republican executive committee meeting at the county level. And he had to stop in to get to attendance. I'd never been to one. And every time I tell a story, the whole like room starts laughing because there are a bunch of REC members in there. But you know, in, in hindsight, it was kind of a smart idea because there's all these lovely retired older ladies that were Who loving Christian, him. like, oh, he's so cute. <laughs> but um, Christian you know, would do that. That's, right? really, that's great. It was very smart, right? Yeah. So, um, but I that wasn't. I mean, I, I I worked in the fashion industry before I went into the pub, uh, private sector in, in insurance, and um, you know, my life was. I lived my life well. I've enjoyed the journey. It's never been a pre-scripted book by any means, and I love that about my life. Um, but I think that's what I find on so many of the other moms and dads, but, but a lot of these moms that we meet across the country, um, were either apolitically, uh, never even didn't, weren't even registered to vote yep. or, uh, politically homeless, uh, didn't identify or apolitical all of those. Um, and then understand now how important it is to be particularly at local government, but even state 
and being active and whatever that role is. And so parties do play a role, but it is not. Um, and, and certainly the limited government principles does apply to a lot of the, the platform of the Republican Party. But by no means are we shills. And I even as a wife of the, you know, the GOP chairman, I am my own uh, woman, I'm my own thinker. And there are things that we agree on. There are some things that we don't agree on. And so um, and I think that's uh, most people can uh, understand that. And so uh, I think those who want to oppose what we're doing, the work and success we've had, because we're across the nation, um, parents really have had have had it. And I think those who oppose us are worried about that um, influence, and they're trying to throw arrows and, and and make it sound like we're some pay for play puppeteer. But when you peel back the onion, like we've done, even just starting today about how it started or how our each journey started. It's far from that. Yeah, absolutely. So Glad let's dig, let's dig into that because I, I think that there's been this real effort to try to make Moms for Liberty not seem like real grassroots, right? Or just make what you're doing at LI not seem like real grassroots work. But it truly is the very best of America and grassroots work. I was uh, at a meeting uh, earlier this week and I, I said, um, I'm a community organizer now. I'm like Obama. That's the way I feel. I'm a community yeah. organizer. I accept it wholeheartedly, right? And so- um, let's talk a little bit about what you're seeing across the country, because you're right. We've got a ton of our moms have had, had not been registered to vote uh, or were registered and weren't voting, certainly not voting in primaries. And now these moms have got the phone numbers in their cell phones on speed dial of their school board members, their uh, leadership in education, their state house, state senate members, sometimes congressional members. They are talking to a lot of these elected officials, helping them to know what's actually happening on the ground so that we can shape policy. And so just give us a glimpse of what your life has been like. You've joined LI. You, you, so originally you helped us start Moms for Liberty. You were with us that first month talking about ideas. How, how were we going to help to move people forward? You were still serving in elected office. That would have been really hard. I, you know, I realized <laughs> from the get-go, you know, it would have been difficult for you to lead and be serving in elected office. In general, it's why I left to a certain degree, Bridget, because I really felt like there was change that needed to happen that I wasn't able to make when I was on school board. It felt like yeah. fighting with my hands tied behind my back sometimes. Not that you can't make great progress and change in your community on school board. It, there is a role for everyone. And for some people, that is the right role. I don't regret serving, but I recognize that I had some skills that I could use outside of that realm that would be helpful. And I think you're realizing that as well as you're starting to work with LI and seeing kind of the end of your school board time come. What are you seeing when you're traveling across the country? Tell us about the Learn Right program, the, the school board leader program, the trainings that you're doing, and then give us a glimpse. I know you were just in California uh, what are you seeing across? I know. What are you seeing across all 50 states? Because I know you're going to bring us some hope today. Ah, oh, well, you know, so I, I really look at this all, and it kind of it actually framed up very well the way you asked about the party and things like that. But to me, whether you talk about the large institution of a public dist a school district, which I believe many of our institutions in America have been captured, um, and and some and a lot of us as individuals are responsible for abdicating our roles and responsibilities to other institutions. I think that's a realization that so many moms and dads across the country have have come to. And that's okay, by the way. That's not that they should not be ashamed of it. I think that's an important part to recognize so that you can affect the change. And in what I look at from an, a macro scale, but it is it is grassroots, is what you're saying, 
is that this is what our country was founded on truly for the people, by the people, of the people. Um, And it's, it's the, you know, the pendulum is swinging as to where it needs to go. I, um, you know, when I look at for Leadership Institute has been around since 1979. Morton Blackwell is the founder and president. He is an amazing man. I cannot, I cannot say enough about how much of a, of an honor it is to work with him, learn from him. He is very, his wisdom is unbelievable. When you consider the, he's very humble and, and he uh, does not typically, uh, he never likes to be the center of the discussion. But when you consider the far reaching impacts he's had on our um, country in the most profound, positive way for decades, it's really exciting to work with him. So uh, Leadership Institute, um, again, trains, it trains conservatives, the next generation of the conservative leaders. And that's at every level of the public policy process, whether we're talking about media and, and then a pipeline of journalists uh, coming in, which God knows we need that, um, but also uh, activists, candidates and uh, elected officials at every level. Um, and so I, for the school board leaders program, we are, and I, I say it as a, as a, it's a, it's a stool, a three-legged stool, and you cannot, it'll fall if you don't have all three. And it's really focused on activism, uh, campaigning and governing. And so all three together are a constant cycle. And we are focused on education policy predominantly at the, certainly at the school board level, uh, the state level plays a very significant role. So we do a lot of discussion about that, just overall that public policy process and advocating and activism. You know, I always joke around that activists are not, it's an engaged citizen that's active in their governing process, their community. It doesn't mean you're Antifa. <laughs> People are like, I'm not an activist. I'm like, an engaged citizen is. But to me, to see how many people who have never been active before didn't know who their elected officials were. So many people will say, you know, I knew my principal, I knew my teacher. I didn't know what a school board was or who my school board members were. And I could, if I had not been on the school board as a working mom, I, I share, I could understand that. So, um, you know, COVID silver lining, we all know that it really did uh, awaken people up to how important local government is when we're talking about school boards or we're talking about county or city governments, when we're talking about shutdowns and you could see county to county, the different, um, you know, different approach. It, it really is something. And, and so I, I, um, it was a blessing that that did happen. Um, as challenging as it, it was. I mean, I've tried to find the positive inspiration moment. We make we lemonade, from, you know, yeah, at for Liberty, we're always yeah. making lemonade. Exactly. And so, but I, I see, so Morton is a grassroots person through and through. And there's a quote, he has that whole book of quotes that um, his, his team over time have put together. But my favorite is, I aim to build a movement and not an empire because it is not about him. It's about the conservative movement. It's about the um, you know, the, the sustainability of America being founded and retained on the principles of which it was founded upon. And that is absolutely at stake. And so, but that can only be preserved by the people, not by anything top down. I actually have to applaud Moms for Liberty because I believe the way you guys have been able to sustain so well is you recognize that you are in fact a grassroots organization. And by virtue of that, you have your guardrails, you have your you know, um, your procedures, but outside of that, it really is the leaders at the ground level. And that's what, and that's what makes it work because nobody, I don't care what we're talking about, nobody wants to be micromanaged. And, um, and grassroots is based on allowing those people on the ground to, to mobilize and to advocate. Uh, and I think, and I, and I, and I love when I read these articles that you guys are the same top-down paid for some man in behind the curtain, which is so far from the truth. It makes me laugh. It makes me disappointed that many in the country may believe that to be gospel. It's not true. 
But um, that's the I iron law that, of woke projection because that's how that's how the unions <laughs> do it. Right. Well, that's exactly right. And so, but at the same time, you know, I, I know you and I and Tina always say like, keep moving. Like we can't focus on that stuff because there are literally t- millions of people in our country who are ready, who are working to find ways to become effective. That is our goal at Leadership Institute to truly allow. So taking that energy and just being right doesn't work, as Morton says. You have to have the skills and know the tactics and strategies to allow your philosophy to thrive. It's not just having that philosophy, but so we're providing the, you know, the, the tech, the political technology, if you will, on how to move across the line, how to get certain things done. Um, I will tell you, the left is very good at that. And we need to, uh, and I, I say the left from abroad, it's really the radical Marxist left, um, because there are many who are self-proclaimed progressives that are very much a part of this movement, the parental rights movement. Um, and so I don't like to, no one fits in a box. And I think that that is the intent to divide us by putting people's in box. So I, I do try to give that kind of caveat there. But um, well, I, am I think, very, you know, I mean, to yeah. that point, Bridget, I think you, what, what we're really trying to do is create the space for people to change their minds. I think there are a lot of people and, and certainly what we saw during COVID were there were a lot of people on both in both parties who were very disillusioned by their leadership. Didn't matter what letter you had next to your name, we saw Democrats and Republicans making horrible choices for our families, for our communities, really taking away our freedom and our liberty, wanting to micromanage us, right, in this totalitarian, tyrannical fashion. And so it really became much less about party and about how much do you respect me as an individual and my family and my rights to be able to make decisions for my children. So, you know, to your point, um, you know, I think what we do is really... And, and, and you as well, working to try to create the space so that if someone is ready to change their mind, is saying, gosh, you know, um, what I'm seeing my friends, you know, that I, I used to feel like I aligned with stand for right now is not reflective of my belief system or what I think is best for the country and welcoming them in and saying, listen, we were there too, right? I remember, I mean, honestly, before I ran for school board, I just didn't pay that much attention to all of this. You know, I was busy. I had four kids at home. I was a stay-at-home mom. My husband and I had a business that I helped with. And I just didn't realize that not playing an active role in our government process and our civic process was really costing us the future of our country. And not just me, but millions of other women just like me. I mean, we say all the time, we're not special. You and I, Tina, Marie, Erica, we're just moms who are smart and we love our families and we're willing to step up and invest our time and energy and because our children's future depends on us doing that. But there's nothing that makes us unique in any way that someone can't do exactly what it is we're doing. That's exactly right. Well, and I think that's, I think what we see now, and I know I felt it, I think that all, all of us, when we first got involved is, and it's certainly when you started to see things devolve during COVID, is you're involved now. And now once you have you have a glimpse of what's at stake and what's actually in fact happening, you can't walk away. And we see moms and dads across the country doing that. And again, that's why what Moms for Liberty is doing and creating the the framework and also not having that, that network of people and that support so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel and you can share wins because man, that is important to share the wins yeah. when because the, there's you know one step forward, five steps back, 10 steps forward. You know, that's it's a roller coaster, but we're in it for the long haul. And it's building community. It's putting truly Americans without the, you know, whatever subcategory 
it's really people fighting for their children and for the preservation of our country. And I, I don't take that lightly. I know you say that all the time. I can't, I, and I, that is in fact the stakes. Um, and it is, uh, it is a, it's a mighty uh, quest, but it's important. People literally sacrificed their lives before us for our freedoms. And this is our time now. And, but it is truly being done at the ground up. It wouldn't work if it was any other way. Um, I love that you said community organizer, and you also mentioned California uh, Leadership Institute has, Nathan Fattel is one of our community organizers. It's a newer position, if you will, that, um, that there are, our programs team added. He is amazing. And in, in what I think is so important is he's working with all different organizations, parent groups, what have you, across the country. He's based in California. Um, and it, it is, it, 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 again, perfect tee up to what you'd said. It's not this establishment party organization. These are parents who tend to be, who are, are leaning now to very much that they do believe in the you know, individual liberties. They want their government out of their business. Um, and they, they do believe in limited government. And so they're, they're mobilizing, but that working together. And what is so beautiful, we're seeing organizations, particularly the religious denominations of all uh, denominations, lock, link arms and fight together for the protection of their children. We see school districts, unfortunately, overstepping and promoting things that are are outright and complete in direct conflict with many people's um, religious beliefs. And, uh, and, and so to me, it really pokes a hole in a lot of the narrative that we hear the mainstream media or whoever who oppose the parental rights movement, for lack of a better term, um, it pokes a hole in this white supremacist, right wing, whatever the heck. My favorite story is there was a gentleman um, that came to one of our activism trainings uh, in Montgomery County, Maryland. Um, and he is of Muslim descent. He has, or he's done a tremendous job, um, organizing uh, a number of different faith-based, uh, organizations. He actually was a part of the litigation that went against the Montgomery County school district. Um, and one of the parents who is, um, a also Muslim from Morocco, very dark skin said to me, he said, Bridget, when I moved to the United States, I expected to be called many things, but white supremacist was, was not, not one, of, one them. of them. And it's one of my favorite stories. But I think it's amazing to showcase, listen, there, we've seen, you and I and, and many who have started, jumped in this realm of the, the name calling, you know, racist, bigot, homophobe, whatever the heck. Um, and at first, it, it really is, a, it's an effective strategy. Um, I know we are so used to it, doesn't mean anything, um, but it still does keep people at bay. The, the reality is that um, it, it, people are waking up to that. It's not, it isn't, it is not working. And it shouldn't, because when we talk about what's at, what, what is at stake, um, adults being fearful of being called names at the detriment of children's safety and truly in their ability to thrive academically, but also when we're talking about some of the, the horrendous things when it comes to the gender ideology cult, um, I'm glad more people are realizing that this, um, this is what I do. More game calling. Yeah, this right. Exactly. You can just, it's right. not, sticks you and know, stones. I mean, sticks and stones. Yeah. A hundred percent. So you're out in California recently. We were just chatting. We've got, uh, Gavin Newsom, uh, communist California. We've got horrible bills being passed left and right, taking away parental rights, um, not only for families in California, but stripping parents of parental rights all over the country. Because if your child goes to California and wants to go into this gender transition uh, cult, as you said, um, there are 
um, like glitter families that will take them in. And your parental rights really cease to exist when your child is in California. It's shocking. You and I know a mom uh, whose daughter took her own life after being removed from her home um, because the mom was not willing to affirm that the daughters want to change her gender. And, and that story is just heartbreaking. Um, Abigail Rodriguez and her daughter Yaley, um, and so Martinez, excuse me, Abigail Martinez and her daughter Yaley, um, and and just to listen to that mom talk about the pain that she felt and the fact that when the child was in the custody of, of protective services in California, she was told she wasn't allowed to speak about religion with her daughter. She wasn't allowed to have honest conversations that were unsupervised with her daughter. Craziness. And so you go out to California, I think you're seeing what we're seeing on the ground, which is the people of California have had enough of Gavin Newsom and this woke policies, haven't they? Absolutely. So I cannot, I mean, reading and during the legislative session, uh, it was appalling. I mean, I really, truly still to this day cannot believe any lawmaker, I don't care what aisle you're on, would approve some of the legislation that was that went through, whether Newsom vetoed it or not, which really comes down to whatever his presidential um, uh, interests are. But the fact that this is the sentiment in California should be something, and, and myself included, something that everyone's paying attention to. And that is why we, um, since I actually uh, came on board and started the, the, the school board leaders program at LI, I've had a number of people reach out to me from California. We've done one uh, training earlier in this year, and I promised we'd come back. We had scheduled a whole tour. And I can tell you, one, from being in Florida, I recognize you know, my journey and from the activist standpoint was I saw so many challenges as a school board member, tried to have them adopted at the local level, was unsuccessful, then partnered with our legislatures uh, and got a lot of great policy from you know parental rights and school choice, all of those variety of things to really enhance the, um, you know parental rights. Really, at the, at the end of the day, in the state of Florida, what I I but you have to recognize that California is the tip of the spear. I mean, it is the most extreme situation, of, and it is what comes down the pipe. And so, what the way California goes, people can absolutely guarantee that it will trickle down in the rest of the country. That's why it's so important. To, that we are investing time and, and money there. But what's amazing is the caliber and the grit of the parents and the organization um, that is taking place in California. I left so incredibly inspired. And I've been at this since 2014. Um, I have never seen this kind of, it's, it's, the, it's just the, the, the level of strategy and knowledge and calm and Again, they are they we I use lever systems as kind of where when I do training on activism and they are very strategic. Listen, they realize that they are it's a long game. And I and I think there's a lot of people in our country could take some great lessons away from them. Um, but I also will tell you they take their role very seriously for the reasons I just stated. They recognize that the way yeah. California goes, so does the rest of the country. And so they are really holding on to the preservation of freedom and liberty fighting with everything they've got. And they're doing a tremendous job. They did have some successes. They won't stop. Um, I, I encourage people to pay attention to a lot of the, the parent groups out there or um, the school board members. <laughs> there, I will say in, 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 in communist California, some of the school boards uh, are passing better uh, parental focused and education focused uh, policies than, than we see even in Florida and you know some of the more quote unquote conservative states. So um, I think that a lot of people can uh, take a page out of their playbook. I, but part of the role that we do here is trying to share those stories. Um, there's a lot of great energy out of there. And I believe that 
Um, once, as they continue to poke holes in the tyrannical government that is uh, led under Governor Newsom, um, that will send a ripple effect to a number of other places in this country that will allow the tide to turn. So I'm very optimistic. And it was really inspiring. So uh, I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward uh, to continuing there, to work with them. There is no doubt Gavin Newsom would like to be president of the United States of America. That should send a chill down the spine of every American. Um, and, and the truth is, as my friend Kelly likes to say, that what happens in California doesn't stay in California. It is not Vegas. And uh, it's like a, and, and she also adds, it's like a bad STD, just spreads everywhere. <laughs> spreads. And, and it's the truth. But you're right. So I think what we see in California with a lot of these school districts stepping up and passing uh, parental rights policy um, is so important. And if you go to momsforliberty.org on our website under resources, we have a parent pledge that candidates and elected officials can take. Uh, pledging that they're going to respect and, and uphold your parental rights, your fundamental parental rights. They recognize they don't give those to you, but they certainly don't have the right to take those away. Um, but also there's a resolution that you can pass at your local school board level. And that's a parental rights resolution that is based on the Parents' Bill of Rights that was passed in Florida. And it's just important, I think, what California school boards are doing what you're helping them to do to pass local policies that safeguard and protect parents and children and that relationship. You don't have to wait until it happens in your state. And you as a local elected official have a lot of power um, to be able to pass this policy and uphold this policy and push back um, against this overreach. Because as I said, what's important to note here is that these are fundamental rights. These are not rights that the government gives you. They cannot take these rights away. So there is no federal law law or state law that can be passed that somehow usurps your parental rights, your right to direct the upbringing of your child, their education, their medical care, their morality, their religion. And so just remind yourself, uh, if you're listening right now, remind yourself of that, okay? And, and, and when you go in to speak with anyone, do you just need to know inherently inside of yourself that these are rights that you have and that no one has the right uh, to disrupt or to, to disrespect? Um, Bridget, I want people, before we end, to, to get a little bit of a dive into what they can expect. If they're hearing that Leadership Institute, the Learn Right program, uh, School Board Leaders program is coming to their community um, and they're thinking about running for office or they're wanting to get involved in some way in this movement to reclaim our country or they're currently serving uh, in office but want some tips and tricks and tools, um, what does it look like to engage with Leadership Institute and come out for trainings? What are you teaching people to do? So we do focus on the activism, like I said, activism, campaigning, and governing. And, and and it varies wherever we are. And the part that I do love is we do try to customize it based on the audience and the need. So we also do look at the cycle of the election and where you're at. Because what I oftentimes find is there the, the activism overlays everything. It doesn't matter where you are in the election cycle. It doesn't matter if you're in the majority or the minority. We need people within the community to remain and stay engaged. But we want to help them so they don't burn out. I am a working mom. You're a working mother. I under, many of the people who are involved in this are working parents, um, and it's really important. So a lot of the stuff that we share is how to be effective and strategic so you don't burn yourself out and you focus your energy towards elements where you're going to see those successes. We also prepare people to be in there for the long game. But um, it, so we'll, we'll customize it around that. We, you can go to uh, leadershipinstitute.org forward slash school board and request a training in your community. Uh, we have a great growing team uh, that is uh, spreading out all across the country and bringing trainings to your community. We also offer them online on demand. That is a growing library. Uh, actually, uh, we'll be doing filming here right after this filming today. And then we also do webinars, which is a great opportunity to really fill in some areas. Um, we do Robert's Rules of Order, which is probably our most uh, well-attended uh, 
for for school board members. But you, you even if you're not a school board member and you sit on any other uh, governing committee, you're welcome to attend. It's a very valuable tool that even if you you don't need to be a parliamentarian, but having to the knowledge of just a handful of things can be tr- can be the difference of you running the room, even if you're in the minority. I speak with experience. Yeah, here, I think that's wanna... so important. I mean, it, let's just quickly the Roberts Rules of Order. Yeah. One of the things that uh, is the is, is that you will learn uh, in going through this training is the fact that if you are on the downside of a vote, you lose effectively. Right? You can't bring that vote back. But if you are on the upside of the vote, you can bring that vote back. So there may be times perhaps someone isn't on your school board that day, didn't attend the meeting. Maybe you know that your a vote's going a certain way. And this is hard uh, stuff. This is sometimes hard things to explain to your community. But if you want to be able to take a second bite at that apple, if there's something that's passing that you know you're going to be able to bring back with new information to perhaps persuade people um, to change their minds on your board or, or you're going to rally the community, right, to help to change change the minds, build consensus on your board, you may have to vote in a certain way. And and knowing Robert's rules and having the tools in your toolbox to be an effective and strategic school board member can make the difference as to whether or not you can make change happen. And so Bridget, remind us, school, remind us the, the, it's leadershipinstitute.org forward slash school boards. Is that correct? And people can go there. And and then what are they going to do when they go to that website? So when you go there, you can see all of our upcoming trainings across the country or the live webinars, um, or you can uh, register for our our newsletter, but also you can request a training in your neighborhood. Great. Um, and our team will get to you and let you know as we kind of coordinate with multiple organizations. Um, we actually have the, again, we're very fortunate to have amazing donors that support our efforts. And so we're happy to partner with different organizations and help underwrite portions of it so that we can ultimately, our goal is truly to train the next generation of conservative leaders and get to as many people to empower them. And the piece that I think is so important, um, as a new school board member, a lot of times you don't know what you don't know and you're, it's a David and Goliath situation. Um, the part that I'm so excited about, um, that we were able to open up a new headquarters here in Sarasota, Florida. Um, it's 6,000 square feet of which the, the entire downstairs is devoted to uh, training. And we have already on the calendar um, each month, it, one or two each month that are for dedicated for new school board members. Even if you're in your first or second year, doesn't mean it's only fully for newly elected. But it's really, uh, it's a three-day boot camp that will help really arm you up with the information you need so that you can be the public servant you campaign to be. Um, you'll find that there's a lot of weaponization, unfortunately, of the rules of the road when you're going inside of an institution, especially if you're there to be a a change maker. Um, And we're here to equip you with the knowledge so that you can be effective. Um, And that's the part that I know I felt like I was missing when I first got elected. Um, We had our one of our first trainings already. Uh, It was amazingly well received. And we will be doing uh, at least two of those a month. And it fits about 40 people. So sign up. uh, If you know anyone, we also uh, are able to offer some scholarships. So Again, we want to make the barrier low for everyone. Again, going to that grassroots component. This is not for the elite and wealthy. This is for members of any any American to truly serve their community. And we are there to help equip them with the tools that they need to be effective. Awesome. Bridget Ziegler, thank you so much for joining us today on the Joyful Warrior podcast. Um, Okay, members, uh, friends listening, uh, leadershipinstitute.org forward slash school boards. Uh, You can go there, see when the trainings are, the boot camps that are going to be happening in Sarasota. Request a training in your own community. Moms for Liberty is traveling around the United States of America, holding town halls, doing trainings as well. We link up with Bridget often, and I will say this 
this in closing, we gave Morton Blackwell, uh, the founder of the Leadership Institute, the Liberty Sword, at our Moms for Liberty uh, conference, our summit, uh, this past summer in Philadelphia. And it was a true honor. I remember meeting Morton in a meeting. We were in a meeting, and he was talking about Leadership Institute and was so generous with his time and with the resources that he has helped to create and support at Leadership Institute. We've been incredibly thankful for him and we've learned so much uh, from the organization. Um, head to momsforliberty.org if you want to join a chapter or start a chapter. There are also resources there that you can find. If you go to momsforliberty.org, you can go to the resources page under candidates. And we have uh, a campaign toolkit uh, that could help you uh, run for office. And, and it kind of just gives you the rules of the road and some ideas about how many doors am I going to need to knock? How much money am I going to need to raise? What you need to understand is this. The time to stand in America is now. And there are amazing people uh, like Bridget and so many people that we bring on this podcast that are helping to give you the tools in your toolkit that you need to be effective. Uh, but the time to stand is now. Our kids need you. Our country needs you to stand and fight for liberty. So Bridget, again, thank you for joining me today. Uh, very much appreciate your time. And uh, we look forward to continuing to work with Leadership Institute in the years ahead. Thank you. Thank you for everything you do and your amazing courage. It's a privilege to work arm in arm with you. Thank you. Onward. Awesome. <laughs>